Good morning, like Chris said, I'm Erica Allen. Um, and this morning, we're gonna continue our series, Life of the Party. So if you, <laughs> he takes it serious. So um, this morning, seriously, we're gonna talk about if you have been struggling this last month or so, it's May, I don't know about you all, but May is just a tough month. My kids are nearing the end of their school year. Things are like, I'm ready for summer kinda to be here and, and be in a little bit more vacation mode. Um, so May is just sort of that month where you feel like you're like slogging through. Well, God is ready wherever you are in your life to be the life of your party. And this morning, we're going to talk about something that kills a party, and that is lack of clarity. Do we have any sports fans in here? Anybody here a huge sports fan? So there is nothing that kills a good sports game like a, like a close call, right? One that lacks clarity, and it could go really either way. Do, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I think I have a few um, examples here. Oh, oh, God. Got to have Tom Brady. It's Tampa, right? Okay, so they don't know if this is a fumble or not a fumble. It's ruled that it's not a fumble. It's a little iffy. There's snow on the field. They go on to win the Super Bowl because it's Tom Brady quarterback, and that's just what happens. But you guys see, uh, they call, so they said that Tom Brady's down, and this isn't, isn't actually a fumble. Maybe that one's not. Maybe it's a little clear, more clear what's happened. Then there's this one. Like, does the guy have the ball? Does he not have the, have the ball? Does anybody remember this one, the, the Seahawks and the Packers? And they rule it like a touchdown. Everybody is excited. And it's a, really, it's a really close call. Did the guy have the ball? Did he not have the ball? Did the Packers tackle him? Did he not? Um, they ruled it a touchdown. It wasn't real clear. So this is what happens in these moments, right? In these moments where it's not real clear, Four things happen in lack of clarity. The first thing happens is there's confusion. There's this, oh, this is another one. Chris helped me with, with these. He wanted to make sure this one was in too. Um, I guess they ruled it out. <laughs> anyway, lack of clarity. In a moment where there's lack of clarity, the first thing that happens in the stands is there's confusion. You all know what I'm talking about, that moment where the stands have been wild and crazy. They're going like, that's my team. We're doing awesome. And then there's this lack of clarity moment, this, this moment where the call isn't clear and it's just like silent. There's no talking and everyone's like paying attention to how the ref is going to make this call. It is absolutely quiet. People are confused. It could go Go either way. Maybe it was down. Maybe it was a touchdown. Maybe it was out of bounds. Maybe it was a goal. Maybe it wasn't. There's this moment where they are absolutely, fans are absolutely overwhelmed by confusion. So the first thing that happens in a lack of clarity is there's confusion. The second thing that happens is chaos. They make the call. It's not real clear what could happen. People are spilling their drinks. They're throwing things on the field. Chaos has absolutely erupted. These grown men are acting like three-year-olds throwing temper tantrums because the the call wasn't clear and it doesn't feel fair. In a lack of clarity, the first thing is confusion and then it bleeds over into chaos and then there's conflict. The guy who like absolutely loves the Seahawks and he's pulled for him for 50 years gets punched by the guy who's a Packers fan and is mad and then it, everything just breaks loose and this, there's this unhealthy conflict. These folks are fighting because there wasn't a good, clear call. There becomes conflict, right? And not the healthy kind. It's kind of where like the old dudes are like bashing it out in the stands. There's this moment of conflict. And then the last thing in the, when there's lack of clarity is they cancel. They just quit. I'm never ever going to cheer for my team again. I'm never going to be a Cubs fan ever again. They're doomed to never ever win the World Series. Y'all remember when, when that was a thing? We cancel. We quit 
because we can't handle things anymore with the lack of clarity. We canceled the ref. I never want to see, um, you know, Ron Cherry ever on the field again. I've canceled him. I'm, I'm a UNC fan. It's fine. You know, we canceled the ref. We canceled the team. We quit what we're doing. And, and it's, it's actually more clear in a sports game what we do in lack of, when, we, when there's lack of clarity. But when there's lack of clarity in your life, when there's lack of clarity around your finances, around your future, when there's a lack of clarity around your purpose, when there's a lack of clarity about the relationships that you have in your life, about your family, when there is a lack of clarity about things in your life, what happens? First, there's confusion, right? What are we going to do next? What's really happening? There's this, um, there's this moment of confusion, and then there's chaos, right? We start yelling, screaming, doing, doing things like chaos begins to erupt in our lives and in our relationships. And then there's conflict, this really unhealthy, like banter back and forth between the people around us. There's this conflict when we aren't clear because no one really knows where we're headed, right? And then the fourth thing is we begin to cancel each other. You want to know the number one cause of divorce in our country? financial troubles. Financial troubles because we aren't clear about how we're going to give our money, what we're going to do with it. It, it. it adds all this stress and anxiety in our lives. The number one, the number one cause of stress and anxiety over the past six months in the lives of people just like you has been a lack of clarity around your finances. A lack of clarity around your finances. If you want to know the one thing I never want to talk about, I would rather live in chaos and confusion and conflict and just cancel the conversation about money. It is talking about our finances. But God wants you to experience a party in your life. God wants you to experience joy and goodness and hope. God does not want our marriages ending in divorce. God doesn't want you living stressed out and anxious. God doesn't want us living lives wracked with stress and anxiety and fear, wracked with confusion and chaos and conflict and canceling one another because we aren't clear about our finances. And so this morning, I'm going to help us hear what it is and how it is that God is clear with us about our finances so that we can begin to live lives full of joy and goodness and peace. Because, because God wants to offer that to you. And when you start to live as a person who has a party every single day in their lives, you are going to help other people who are living with this lack of clarity, with this stress, with this anxiety and this fear in their lives. You're going to help them begin to taste the goodness and the joy of the God who wants a party for their lives too. God is ready for you to experience a party, and God's ready for, for the people you love, the people you don't love, the people outside of where we're meeting right now. God is ready for all of us to experience a party. So let's figure out how God is clear about our finances and our giving. If you think, hey, I don't know, a lot of times the questions about finances is we don't know how much debt is too much. We don't know how much to give to certain organizations or not give. We don't know how much to give to our child or our parent or our hurting sister or brother or friend. We don't know how much to give. When have we given too much? Have we given enough to help them? We have these questions, and then it becomes confusing. It becomes chaotic. Our, our relationships become conflicted, and we just cancel the conversation altogether. We're not the only people who've lived like this. 
If you are a 25-year-old and you've just started making your own paycheck, this sermon is for you too. If you are 45 and, and you're making the most amount of money you've ever made in your life, this message is for you. If you're 60 and you don't know what's coming next with your life, this message is for you. If you're 85, this message is for you. If you're 10 or 3 or 5, this message is for you because God was clear God was really clear about our finances because God knew that when God was clear about our finances, it would help us live lives that were not racked and riddled with chaos and confusion and conflict and canceling one another. And that's what God wants for your life. We are not the first people in the world to experience this. In fact, thousands of years ago, there was this group of people. They were called the Israelites. They were the people of God. They were God's chosen people. God rescued them from slavery and oppression and delivered them into the promised land. But there was this gap that happened between where they were and where they were supposed to be. It's called the wilderness. It was a time where they lived for 40 years out in the middle of nowhere, making it from day to day to day, trying to figure out what, what life was going to look like. And as they're out in this wilderness, the people come to Moses. He's the leader. He's their leader. And they're, they're like, we need some clarity right? We're having to grow tomatoes. We've, we didn't have to grow tomatoes back in Egypt. They gave us what we, what we were to eat. It wasn't good, but I got to grow tomatoes and pomegranates. I got to figure out how to raise cows and sheep now, and I'm not real good at it. I, I've been raising chickens. I lost one yesterday. I literally had to go on a chicken hunt this morning in my neighborhood. Like, these people are trying to make it work, but they, they weren't raised chicken farmers or sheep farmers or cow farmers or tomato farmers. They don't know what they're doing, and, and, and there are people that are really hungry among them. There are people who, whose husbands have died. They're widowed. There are children whose parents aren't around anymore. They're orphans. And they're like, we don't know how much to give to them, but we feel like we should give something. And these people are living in this absolute state of confusion and chaos. And they start fighting with each other. Hey, that's my tomato. Hey, that's my cow. Hey, that's my grass for the cows to eat. And they start, they start fighting with each other and they literally cancel each other. This was thousands of years ago. They like actually canceled each other um, back in these times. And and God's like, this is not what I want for the people. And Moses is like, I didn't think it was. God, tell me what to say. And, and God tells Moses, get these leaders around you, and this is what you need to tell the people. And I'm going to read it to you. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, this is what God says for the leaders to tell the people. He says, be sure Tell these people who are ready to cancel their belief in this community, who are ready to cancel their belief in God, who are ready to give up because things have gotten too chaotic, too confusing, and too conflicted. And he says, tell them this. Give them some good, clear guidelines. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. One-tenth. Eat the tithe. Eat that one-tenth of your grain, the new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God. So bring that stuff. Bring it all together. Eat it in the presence of the Lord your God at the place that God will choose as a dwelling place for his name. It is the place that you will go to worship. It is the place that you will go to escape the chaos and the confusion and the conflict and the pain. It is the place where you will go to say, God, give me clarity and give me a party and joy and peace. Take one-tenth 
of what you have and go to that place. But if that place is too distant and you've been blessed by the Lord your God and you cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you to the place that the Lord God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. Take a tenth and share it with the people around you and have a party. Rejoice about the goodness of God. Listen, and do not neglect the Levites living in your towns. Levites are pastors. They're the priests of the, of the area. Do not neglect the Levites living in your town, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes. Bring one-tenth of all that of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, the pastors who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the people who, who we've accepted into our community, even though they didn't belong to start with, make sure the for, foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied. People who've been confused and, and live in chaotic lives and who are conflicted because they don't know where their next meal's coming from, give them food to eat and let them be satisfied. Let them know of the goodness of God so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And, and Moses and the, lead, and the leaders looked at those people and he said, this is the, Lord, the word of the Lord. This is what God has said for me to tell you people who are confused and chaotic and conflicted and ready to cancel everything. This is what God has said. Let's draw some good, clear boundaries. Let's be clear about what it is God wants us to do. And let's share it with the people around us. And the people said, thank you, God, for giving us this good word. We have longed to, for you to be clear with us about what you expect from us. And so this morning, I just want to be really clear with you. God's been clear with us about what to do with our finances. One-tenth, 100%. You take 100% of what you earn, and you take one-tenth, and you set it aside, and you give it to God, and you give it to God's church. God's been clear. Some of you are not ready to do that yet because you are living in debt. I want you to hear me. I'm not saying this to beg you to give money to our church. I'm saying this because I know the God who has a party planned for you in your life, a God who is ready for his joy and goodness to exude from you. And I know that God's been clear that one-tenth of what we make, one-tenth of what we make is supposed to go to God and God's church. And then did y'all hear what the community, what the church is supposed to do with it? God was really clear. Pay your pastors. Chris and I, I'm just going to be honest, Chris and I have to eat. We have to provide for our families. God has called us into this work. God has been clear with us to lead new people in South Tampa to know of the goodness of God, to know of the life of the party that God wants for you and for your household. God was really clear about that. And so God says, God's, God tells the community, take care of them. Make sure they have enough food on their table. And then God was really clear, the rest of that money should be used to care for the foreigners among you, the people who have come there who had no place before. Our church is going to use every other cent of your money to care for people who have not belonged before. We are going to pray right now. I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to ask you to go home and pray that we will care. This church will be really clear that we care about people who've had no place to belong before. 
We are going to spend our money and our time and our energy making sure that people who have never had a place to belong know of the goodness and the joy that God has for them. We are going to pray that God makes room for them here. And we are going to use our money and our time and our prayer and our energy to make sure that happens. The second thing is God wanted them to care for children who were fatherless. That means children who were super vulnerable. There are vulnerable kids in our community. Some of them go to the Gandhi Civic Center. Some of them are in our Boy Scout troops. Some of them are at Monte Elementary School. We, as, at our church, we have committed to caring for children who are vulnerable in our community. We will spend every cent of our money. We will spend our energy and our time caring for children who are vulnerable because there is nobody that deserves to know there's a party like children who are vulnerable and don't know what's coming next for them. We, as the people of God, are going to say, God has a party for you. And we're going to use our time and our money and our energy to make sure you know about that party and that goodness and that joy that God has for you and to care for the widows, care for women and and families who've lost the person who would provide for them, care for people who've lost their opportunities for growing the right things in their field, for for growing the right kind of livestock in in their fields, care for those people. And, And that looks different in our context right now, but we will care for the people who don't know where their next meal is coming from. We will care for the people who need some help getting their next job. We're going to figure out what that looks like here. And we are all, I'm asking each of you to spend a tenth of your week this week, not just your money, a tenth of your week praying desperately that God would show each of you what your role is in our church, caring for the children who, in our community who are vulnerable, caring for the people in our community who are hungry and poor, and caring for the people who have no place to belong. I'm asking you, spend 2.4 hours every single day when it comes to your mind to pray, to just lift up the people that God has placed on this church's heart. God was clear, care about these people. And God was really clear with you. One-tenth of your time, one-tenth of your money, one-tenth of who you are. Can you commit it to this place right here? Can you commit it unto God and can you trust us? Can you trust all of us to be a part of helping you shine the light God wants you to shine and ignite the change God wants ignited in this community and in this world? Can we begin to trust that? And if you're not ready yet, if you're like, there is no way I could think about how to give a tenth of my money, start making a step towards that right now. We are going to start a finance class. Chris agreed this morning that we were going to start a finance class. So right now, text the word pray with us and a dollar emoji and prayer hands emoji right now to 94000. And we are going to start a finance class where we can really learn what it is God wants us to do with our money so that we can start living lives with joy and purpose. God's been really clear with us. God's been really clear with us. A tenth. A tenth of what we do, a tenth of what we earn should be given back to God. And then you have 90%, 90% free will. This is what I learned this week. Article after article after article, research finding after research finding after research finding said that people do two things. They either overinvest in some kind of nonprofit or charity organization or they underinvest. People who overinvest wind up exactly in this, this kind of predicament I was talking about earlier. Their lives are chaotic. They get resentful of what the nonprofits do and how they're not spending their money well, how they're not accomplishing what they want to do. They begin to get resentful and they want it to go their way. 
away, right? When they start giving 25 or 50% of their income and their time to something, they begin to overinvest in it. God says, draw some boundaries. Draw some boundaries about what it is you're doing. You've got families and, and children and, and you've got jobs and, and sports and hobbies. You've got all these things. What does it look like for you to spend 10%? So you invest enough, right? You invest just the right amount of money that you can do it and do it well, God was clear that this is the amount. This is the amount that will bring you, you joy. Or there's the people who underinvested, who just gave a small, teeny, tiny fraction of their income and their time to an organization, and they felt no part and no connection to it. That piece of their lives was literally like throwing $25 away because they weren't invested in the organization that it was going to. God's been clear that we can invest an amount that will bring a party to your life. Share that, that this place would be a place where we could share that goodness and that joy all together, right? That we could, we could know the goodness. I, I loved going up to the Gandhi Civic Center three weeks ago when we were pulling weeds and making that place look good for people who were hungry because our church says we care deeply and desperately about the people who don't know where, in, where their next meal is going to come from, and we're going to hand them a box of food. We're going to be a part in this community of sharing and making sure that the folks in our community who are vulnerable have what it is they need to survive the week, and we're going to make sure it looks nice when they come to pick up their food. I loved seeing the joy on your faces as you work together to make God's vision come alive in our community that other people would know about the party and the goodness that they had. I loved, I loved seeing you all work together at Monty Elementary and planting bright yellow flowers so kids in our community who've had the hardest school year I could ever imagine. They've covered their faces up with masks. They've learned on computers. They've been quarantined and not knowing what was happening next. They know, they know that some church loves them and cares about them. You may be vulnerable, children, but you are loved and God has a party for you. I I love that your faces, your faces were a part of watching that joy and goodness of God come alive. It's time we're clear. I'll tell you, just, just want to end this with this story really quick. I worked in prison ministry before we moved to Tampa, and I became a pastor of a new church start. I was actually a, a pastoral intern is what they called me, and then I went on to sort of um, be the volunteer pastor of this congregation of women inside the women's prison who formed a church, a real live church. And, and these women made the, the most highest paid woman for what she did got 25 cents an hour, 25 cents an hour. The, the lowest paid one, I think, got seven cents an hour. They have to, they have to work to buy things off of commissary, um, which is like shampoo and conditioner and, you know, the things that you actually need. They had to work to pay for those things. But I remember that these 50 women every day when it was time for, for pay time would figure out how to get the money that was put into their account back to the church, 10% of it. And then they, they used the money for the new people coming into the prison. We bought shampoo and conditioner for them so that when the, a new woman arrived on the compound, she would be given what it is she needed to survive that first week before she could get a job and start paying for her own. We cared for the people who didn't yet belong. They gave part of their, they raised this money. They gave part of the money to, they 
knit these like sleeping bags together and got them outside the prison and they, they helped raise money for these folks who were homeless in Memphis. It was amazing. They gave 10% of their money back to the church and they let God use it. A, a church inside a prison, barbed wire fences, c- cement walls, like they are locked up in a prison and they were figuring out how to give what little bit they had back to God and God was changing the lives of other women and God was changing the lives of homeless people through the church. I've watched it happen. I've watched when we've trusted God with what we have, and I've watched God turn it into a party. And I'm going I'm to end with this. One of my, one of the women that I was closest to, Bessie, she just got out of prison three or four years ago. She and I were talking this week. I, I asked her, I said, why, why did y'all give that 10%? And she said, Erica, you want to know what's funny? I, I sort of ran through my sermon with her, and she said, you want to know what's funny, Erica? Every single woman that gave 10% to the church Wound up, to st- wound up staying out of prison. We never saw them again. The women who just showed up and, and gave a little bit here and there, we saw most of those women come back to prison. And I said, why do you think that is? And she said, well, I used to think it was because God just blessed us because we gave a lot. And she said, I think, I think part of that's true. I think, I think God gave us blessing. But I think that discipline of giving 10% to women who figured out how to give way too much to things they shouldn't be giving their money or their time to, it helped give them boundaries. This is the amount I can give to you. I can't give more than that. But it also helped them really invest in something that was bigger than themselves when they got out of prison. And we didn't see them again. They didn't come back. Something about this discipline really does form us to be people who care and see others. It gives us a heart for generosity. It gives us a heart for the people around us. And our church, I promise, I want to be clear with you, Chris and I are going to make sure that we have an income that helps us look after our families. That is something we trusted God with when we said yes to this call. We will trust God with that peace, and we will make sure to lead this church to care for exactly who it is God's asked and been clear for the church to care about, the fatherless, the widowed, and the foreigner. And we are so glad for each of you here that figure out how to be a part of that, who are working right now on your discipleship. You're following Jesus to give more and more and more until you get to that sweet spot that sweet spot where God has a good, a good, good party for you and for all of us. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for each person here. I thank you that even when we come here with confusion and chaos and conflict and wanting to cancel everything in our lives, you give us clarity, God. Thank you for giving us that clarity. I pray, God, you'll shine light on the places in our lives where we need to be more clear. Give us courage to look at our finances and be really clear about it, God. Help us to not be confused and and scared about it, God. And we pray, we pray that, that you will use the gifts, the collective gifts here to help a party, a life-changing and meaningful party happen in this community, that people will know of your goodness and your joy. We pray right now for the vulnerable children in our community. We pray right now for those whose life circumstances are like, are like the widows and they don't know where their next things are coming from. God, show us, show us what it's like as the church to care for them and help us, set us on fire to reach and share your good news with people who feel like they have nowhere else 
else to belong. And if that is one of us, God, help us to know that we belong to you. We are yours this morning. We love you and we thank you for loving us. Amen.